Name something that a person with long legs might not be able to fit into. I'm going to go with long pants. with me. <laughs> Name something that a person with long legs might not be able to fit into. And then you said long pants. No, it's okay. I don't, I don't want you to say I'm sorry. You know, I want you to, you know, you, you, you want to take that back, don't you? Yes, I do. I know, but we got to check and see if it's up there now. We're looking for them long pants. Crossroads fam, everybody good? <laughs> Steve Harvey funny, man. Y'all better pray for that brother though, he tripping. It's always an honor to be at Crossroads. I feel at home every time I come here. Is there anyone here who has never heard me preach? Raise your hand. Lord Jesus, Tim, I wanted to skip my story. Dang it. Just so you know, I'm at home, so we have a living room talk. I'm not here to impress you. That's not my job. My job is to speak the truth in love. Amen. So you're going to hear some uncomfortable things, but how many of you guys know it's only discomfort that makes you stronger? Talk to any weightlifter. Them brothers be struggling on that last set. Come on, somebody. But them brothers be swole. It's in the discomfort, right? And Jesus has this unique way of making discomfort pleasurable. <laughs> Jesus has a way in his word to make us hurt but feel good at the same time. It's like when you're so sore and you get a massage. Yes. <laughs> it hurt but it feel good, right? And so we're going to talk about marriages today in this series of this idea of family feud. And Pastor Tim, whom I love, can you just give it up for your pastor? I love him and his wife. I love this church. They supported our ministry for years. And um, I love coming to Crossroads. Like I said, I feel at home. So I'm just going to be real, which I always am. But I, I'm even more comfortable because I feel like I'm at the crib. Come on, somebody. <laughs> if you need a cultural translation of anything I say, see Pastor Tim after the service. Uh, I'm going to pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you so much once again for the honor and privilege of being amongst whom I consider the greatest on the planet, which is your church. Holy Spirit, I invite you in this place. You will not be grieved. You will not be offended. I give you complete reign and authority. Holy Spirit, I ask you to articulate the Father's heart through my voice to your people. I pray that every ear is open, every heart is open, every mind is open to receive that which you have for us. So I humbly ask you to invade this space. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Yo, also, can we give it up for our other campuses? St. Pete in the building. Is it Mr. Walker in the building? I mean, where else we at in this mod? Uh, so thank y'all for tuning in as well. I'm going to do my short version of my story for the sake of time because they only gave her brother 32 minutes. You feel me? So I want to be respectful of that time. And y'all are early folk. Y'all got up early. Come on. Right? Like, let me get my service out the way. I got stuff to do. It's football Sunday. Uh, but I'm from Chicago, born and bred. I grew up on the south side of Chicago uh, in generational poverty. My grandmother raised nine kids on welfare. And when I was 10 months old, my mother was murdered at the age of 17. So my mom had my brother at 14, had me at 16. She was shot in the head at 17. I've never met my dad, don't know who he is to this day. My uncle was in a gang. He was murdered, shot in the head at 17. My aunt was in a domestic violent relationship. Her boyfriend murdered her. And I had another aunt that died at 15 from a brain tumor from asbestos in the projects. So my grandma raised nine kids, four died. She raised nine grandbabies on welfare in a project. So I, I grew up with a huge question mark on top of my head at four mile, why am I here? I completely rebelled. None of my uncles and aunts, no one finished high school, no one went to college. I wasn't made to go to school. My grandmother had one rule in our house and it was this, I don't care what you do between eight and 3.30, just don't come home. <laughs> she basically raised 18 kids, so school hours was vacation. Come on, somebody. And so there was two main reasons why I went to school. Really quick, number one, I went because I got a free meal. I was on a hot lunch plan. I knew if I went to school that day, I would eat. The second reason why I went to school is I love gym class. Come on, somebody. I ain't go to PE, I went to gym. Old school red dodgeball print to the face, gym class. They got these Tickle Me Elmo dodgeballs now, you know what I mean? Remember dodgeball day was fight day? Remember that? I'm getting suspended if I get hit one more time. <laughs> but I picked up a basketball, and for me, it became an escape re of reality. It didn't matter the pain, the abandonment, issues I went through. Um, basketball, for that two hours, gave me peace. Long story short, my desk sat next to the teachers. I was a kid that was in trouble. I started game banging at 11 and selling crack cocaine by the age of 14. By a complete miracle, I made it to high school. My high school was 2,500 kids. <laughs> I was turnabout king, homecoming court, prom court. I was voted the most athletic out my class, but nobody told me at the end of popularity was emptiness. Stop trying to be popular and impress people you'll never see again. You garner more pain by trying to please people that they can't help you recover from. So I remember at 18 years old being completely broken. I was being recruited to go play basketball. I always wanted to leave Chicago. I was like, give your brother a scholarship to Alaska, send me to Africa, get me up out of here. I ended up scoring a 14 on my ACT. How many think you go to college with a 14 and you better not raise your hand? <laughs> you chilling with me at the community college. Ain't nothing wrong with the community college. I'm just saying, if you don't put in the work, you won't get the success. I ended up going to a community college. I played one year of basketball there. And when I was 19 years old, I had an encounter that changed my life. I didn't encounter church. I didn't encounter religion. I encountered a person. And his name is Jesus. And he radically transformed my life. And so I ended at that community college, transferred to Olivet Nazarene University, 
got my bachelor's and master's degree. I'm the first in my family ever to attend college and get a college degree. Come on, somebody. My little cousin, my first cousin just graduated, so we got two graduates in my lineage. And she graduated from Olivet as well. I convinced her to go. Come on. And so for 10 years, my wife and I worked with pro athletes, eight of those years being full-time team chaplains to the Cincinnati Bengals. And I've been married 14 years, four kids. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Come on. But today, we talking about what it means to walk together in marriage. Now, if you single, divorce, there's a little something in here for you too. So don't tap out. We prepare for everything. If you get a new job, you go through orientation to prepare. If you're on a sports team, you practice all week to prepare for a game. Why don't we prepare for marriage? So if you're single, don't tap out. If you've been divorced, don't tap out. Every wound that you have, you either take with you or you allow God to heal. So every time you're in a space, no matter where you are, God can give you something for the next season. As a matter of fact, the entire kingdom of God is made up of this principle. Seed, time, harvest. Seed, time, harvest. We don't mind the seed. It's the time where we struggle. Right? And so if you want a marriage, our tagline for our marriage ministry is to help produce marriages that's never been seen before. If you want a marriage that's never been seen, you got to sow seeds that's never been sown. And then you got to be in the incubation period of patience and grace for your spouse to become and have a marriage you've never seen before. Oh, I'm about to preach. <laughs> Jesus in Mark 10, 8 says this, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Jesus also said this in Matthew 19, 6. So then there are no longer two, but one flesh. So then what? Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So this idea of walking together and becoming one flesh. But in that text, Mark 10, he said, for this reason, a man shall leave. Now, I don't know if you ever read the Genesis narrative, right? Everything was awesome. Remember that song, Lego movie? <laughs> Everything was awesome with Genesis 1 and 2. The bomb, right? They marriage flourishing, living the dream. Then Genesis 3 happens. Sad to say, many of our marriages stay in Genesis 3. God designed marriage for it to be Genesis 1 and 2. God's intent for marriage was to paint a picture to the world of what was to come. Don't you know the Bible says that the church is Christ's bride? Prophetically, marriage is a walking picture of God's love towards his people. That's why you got to fight for it. 
Your marriage is a billboard to the world. It is quiet at crossroads. <laughs> but have you ever also wondered why God put Adam and Eve together and said, for this reason a man shall leave his mother and father? Time out! Adam and Eve had no mom and daddy. It was an insurance policy. Come on, somebody. God knew in-laws was going to be a problem. See, God thinks way better than we do. Come on, somebody. But this idea of one flesh walking together, to have to be one flesh in unity means to be like-minded. It means to be in sync, in one accord. It means being together in all that you are. See, the moment you committed on that day when you got married, you committed to a covenant. Amen. See, the world loves contracts. The kingdom is all covenant. See, I worked with pro athletes for years. They would give you all this money, but at any time they could cut you. Like, bro, I just signed over all that I am to you, and I had one bad season and you cut me? It doesn't work like that in marriage. You can have one bad season, and guess what? You might have another one, and you might have another one, and you might have another one. Come on, somebody, but in covenant, you die to get in, you die to get out. The moment you said, I do, you died. The problem is we keep coming out the grave. That's why we keep having problems in our marriages. <laughs> right? Didn't Paul say, I was crucified with Christ? It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's amazing. The last thing we want to do when we argue is pray. Come on. The last thing you want to do is grab a hand. Come on, somebody. When I'm right. <laughs> one of them like, I don't mind praying because I know I'm right. The other one like, you know she ain't right, but I'll pray anyway. <laughs> In both instances, you got to die to yourself. See, a covenant marriage and walking together means both parties die. Do you know a seed can't even bring forth fruit until it dies? So you got to die to you. Your marriage has nothing to do with you. Everything that God has deposited in you is for somebody else. Listen to this. You are not married to make you happy. God created marriage to make you holy. Your most time, listen, listen, in covenant marriage, Adam and Eve was completely naked. <laughs> I got four kids, bro. No shame. No guilt, no condemnation, no hiding. It wasn't until sin that they hid. Why do we hide from each other in our marriages? Because we know there's something there that shouldn't. Oh, it's quiet in here. Walking together, right? This idea of togetherness, it's the state of being close to another person. Being close to one another, right? The enemy comes to steal, kill, destroy. Look at our culture. There's an 
Listen, there's an intentional attack on family. Everything you see, same-sex marriage, that ain't even marriage. I, it just got thick on that comment. I probably need to, I probably need to dig a little deeper. We have to hate what God hates. God don't hate people, he hates sin. That's the issue. God loves people. He really does. He loves people so much that he bankrupt heaven so you could be there. He gave all that he had, but yet we tolerate what's evil. We are in the world, but not of it. So the world is divorcing at a rate that's unbelievable. And sad to say the world is catching up. The church is catching up. The divorce rate in the church and the world is not that far apart. Why? Because couples make a decision not to walk together. Love is not a feeling, it's a choice. If you are led by how you feel, your life going to suck. <laughs> I'm just keeping it 100. If you are led by how you feel, come on, your life is going to be horrible. Because sometimes them feelings are good and most of the time they're horrible. Right? James Brown said, I feel good. I'm not sure. <laughs> right? So I'm going to give you four keys of this idea of one flesh. Number one, one flesh loves together. One flesh loves together. Romans 12, 9 says this, let love be without hypocrisy. Excuse me, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. And what honor given preference to one another? Verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continually steadfastly in prayer. Let me park right here. Paul is writing, he said, let love. Have you let love be the guiding force of your marriage? See, love is a force, just like faith is a force. Did you know that? Love produces something. Agape love is a love that's lavished on one another whether they deserve it or not. Isn't that John 3? For God so agape the world that he gave. You think the world deserving of Jesus? Heck no! I went and gave y'all my son. All y'all can go to hell. Uh-uh, I'm keeping mine. Right? Think about this. God sacrificed who he was for people who turned their nose up at him, who turned their back on him, who has forsaken him, and he knew that and he did it anyway. That's love. It should be the same in your marriage. You choose to love. Isn't it amazing that we serve a God? This is, a, this is amazing to me. We serve the only God who reigns sovereignly over people whom he gave free will. What? All other gods want to control. Why did God set it up that way? Because love desires to be chosen. God wanted to be chosen. 
every day in your marriage, you got to make a choice to choose love. It's a choice. Sometimes that knuckle-headed dude don't deserve it. Sometimes she doesn't deserve it. But love has nothing to do about who deserves what. It's a choice. Because I know I don't deserve God's love. I know I don't. But that love still extends through pain, come on, through mistakes, through ups and downs, in and outs. Love is still moving forward from God to mankind. And that love out of you should still be moving forward to your spouse. The problem is we bring so much of our trauma to our marriage that it spills off and we can't love. When you don't do the hard thing of working on you, you hurt who you love. You have a personal responsibility to draw close to Christ because when you do, that spills off in your marriage. You stop holding your spouse hostage to your relationship with Jesus. You got a personal responsibility. See, when you are in Christ, when your image is formed in him, that says something in your marriage. I have no expectation for Megan to be my savior. She can't do it. She can't. So I can love her unconditionally. Why? Because Christ first loved me. Right? Come on. He said, let love be without hypocrisy. That word hypocrisy means undisguised, without dissimulation. It means to be sincere. Like on that wedding day, you was on 10. We just met with a starting linebacker in the NFL. We, we, we still counsel couples. And uh, the, the wife now was crying, was like, you know, and, and it was sweet, but it, I, I kind of chuckled, but not really. But anyway, um, <laughs> she was like, I just thought every day was going to be like our honeymoon. <laughs> and listen, y'all heard me say this. If, you, if you've heard me preach, you've heard me say this when I talk about marriage. Keep the honey in the honeymoon right? It ain't going to be the honeymoon every day, but you can fight for it. Come on, somebody. Never complain about what you permit. Oh, that's tweetable. (laughs) Never complain about what you permit. If you single in this room and you have a desire to be married, you got to do things now that's going to sow a seed for the marriage that you want. But you got to do it. So when the marriage comes, don't complain about what you didn't sow. You're looking at other people's marriages, eyeing their marriage, envious over their marriage without putting in the work for your own. If I could define marriage, it's W-O-R-K. Marriage is work. You living with a whole nother human being. Let alone it's a woman. a whole nother species. Like if I go to Mars, I got to learn about the people. If there's any life on Mars. Right? So you got this whole nother person who's a woman who's wired totally different. Come on, somebody. You're going to do some work. 
Like the dating stage, cool. That's why if you living together before you get married, you rob the adventure of marriage. That'll preach. Wow, I need to test it first, not in covenant. There was there ain't no testing. No, you go through it in covenant. You rob the adventure. So I remember, you know, me and my wife, it took me three and a half years just to date my wife because I was black. I mean, in interracial marriage. Three and a half years, right? My wife was a virgin when we got married. She never drank, never smoked. I mean, just the softest hearted woman I ever met in my life. But nobody told me in marriage that she was going to leave her clothes in the flow. <laughs> Come on. You know, the first couple months of marriage, I'm like, all right, you know, it's cool. About the six months, I'm like, hey, bro, you got to pick up them clothes. Now. <laughs> Come on. The marriage counselor don't prepare you for that. You go through it. Right? Today, this is the honest to God truth. I'm telling y'all the other day, what's today? Sunday, Saturday, Friday. I shower, I always put all my dirty clothes right in the basket. <laughs> Soon as I get out. Now my wife. So I picked up my clothes in joy, walking to the basket. <laughs> I walk right past her clothes and the Holy Spirit said, pick them up. <laughs> Get to pick up my old glossy grown man. Pick them up. Because you called to serve one another. So what did I do? I picked them clothes up, put them right in the dirty clothes. I had to walk past them anyway. Stop trying to be right all the time. I don't want to be right. I want peace in my marriage. Come on, somebody. Number two, one flesh forgives together, forgives together. Mark eleven twenty five. Jesus. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Isn't that interesting? The last person we want to forgive in our marriage is our spouse. You don't know what they did. Yes, I do. But I know what I'm going to do, and I'm going to need God's forgiveness. So I might as well let her go. Right? Unforgiveness, y'all heard this, is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to get sick. Unforgiveness is being locked in the cage and handing the other person your key. No, 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 no. Jesus says, if you stand praying and you have something in your heart against anyone, I love Jesus. Don't you know the Holy Spirit is very intentional with the words in the Bible? Anyone. When the Bible says to love your neighbor as you love yourself, you don't get to skip over your spouse. It's amazing. We will talk to people all lovely at work, right? Come on, at Walmart, and then we get home and talk to our spouses like dirt. You would never say that to your coworker. It is quiet at crossroads. <laughs> but we will look at the image of God in our spouse and call them dumb or stupid or lazy or ugly or fat. 
Are you kidding me? What right do you have to speak down to the image of God? Your spouse is made in God's image. God created them. And listen, fellas, don't complain about her being emotional or insecure. Your wife will only live up to the image that you've spoken over her. I learned this the hard way. Our first year of marriage was horrible. When I say horrible, y'all, I mean horrible. It was horrible. Because I had no capacity to emotionally connect with my wife. See, fellas, if you, is there kids in here? Dang it, I'm, I'm going to go PG-12 and a half. <laughs> if you want 10 o'clock p.m. to be fire, <laughs> you better connect emotionally during the day. See, men, we microwave. We ready to go anytime. <laughs> Say what? Do who? I'm in there. <laughs> Say less. Shorty, you got a microwave. So you might have to rub a little bit, do a couple dishes, <laughs> cut that yard, do some of the honey-do list so you can get some honey. Fellas, we make this way too hard. It's easy to get some. <laughs> come on, just tap in. Now, you might have to bite your tongue. You might have to, come on, go get some counseling for emotional trauma. <laughs> but it's well worth it. Come on, somebody. But if you're going to walk together, this idea of walking together, this idea of forgiveness is essential to have a healthy marriage. You got to forgive. It's not an option, right? Don't you want to walk in your house? How many guys, listen, how many of you know you can walk in the house from work, fellas, and you know there's beef? Like you can cut the tension. And for me, I start Rolodexing like, all right, what I do? I mean, I know I cut the yard. I made that phone call. I did. You ain't text me today. Dang it. <laughs> right? So, fellas, you preheat through a couple texts. Are y'all with me? I'm trying to help you out, brother. <laughs> right? So, whatever the need is, don't be too prideful to where you can't meet it. As a matter of fact, you want to have a desire to meet the needs of your spouse. It's not whether they deserve it or not. It's because I agape them. I love them. I want to serve my wife. And that includes forgiveness. I can't serve if I don't forgive. I can't love if I don't forgive. So there's nothing that your spouse has done. And listen, I know there may be pain in some of y'all marriages. I get it. But because I need God to forgive me, I must forgive them. Now, many people say it's okay to forgive but not forget. I'm not sure. Because Paul said, I forget those things which are behind and I press. Come on. Now, fellas, here's the hard part for us when we mess up in our marriage. We don't want to revisit it. We don't have the emotional capacity to have the conversation again. <laughs> but it's, it's vital that you do because it brings continual healing to her. And that's what it's about. 
right? So forgiveness is key, right? Forgiveness, unforgiveness will kill covenant marriage, right? Never forget that unforgiveness always leads to something else. It inevitably leads to bitterness and hate. And listen, eventually, if you don't repent of that unforgiveness, you don't want to die in your sin. Number three, (laughs) one flesh communicates together, communicates together. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Do you know the root word for communication means to commune together? It's the same word where we get commune or communion. We partake in communion of what Jesus did on the cross. When you communicate, you're making a decision to flow together and commune together in the direction that God is taking your marriage. See, God has a call on your life. God has a call on her life, but God has a call for your marriage. You want to see some unhappy marriages? Let them not fulfill what God called their marriage to do. Do do you know how short life is? Life is so short. I just preached in, what was I at? Topeka, Kansas. Excuse me, my wife and I, we did a marriage conference there. We get picked up by this guy named John. We get to talking. John been married 63 years. I said, oh, brother, you didn't done something right. Come on, somebody. 63 years of marriage. And you know, we do marriage, so I'm like, hey, bro. I ain't said like he was an old white man, so I couldn't say like, oh, bro. <laughs> I'm like, Mr. John, what is the secret to 63 years? You know what this brother said to me? We do a date day every Monday. They go on a date every month. 63 years of Mondays. (laughs) Come on, somebody. And I met his wife. Because you can meet one spouse and say 63 years and everything good, but you got to see the other spouse. Come on, somebody. So, so that was, I flew in the day before, no, the day of. So that night we preached and I met the wife. And I said, oh, this brother was telling the truth. They freaking love each other. Come on. And guess what's the, the first thing she said to Megan? You know what it is to have a successful marriage? Me and John do a date day every Monday. Come on. So about four years ago, Megan and I instituted, we do a date night every Tuesday. Every Tuesday is our day. Listen, we go to the movie. Come on, somebody. We hang out. We snuggle, right? I'm preheating. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Let's say we don't go out. And we got four kids, 13, 11, 9, 8. If we don't go out, we go to the crib. We lock the door. (laughs) And we watch movies. Come on, we all got... Hallmark is killing a brother. (laughs) If I pay for another Hallmark movie... But the only blessing about Hallmark, it preheats. <laughs> but our kids know it's mommy and daddy date night. 
Listen, your marriage is the last line of defense for your kids serving the Lord. Wow. Your marriage is the last line of defense of them choosing the right mate. Because kids never do what you tell them to do. Kids only do what they see you do. Some of us are in marriages responding because of how we saw our parents respond. And if the divorce rate in the church is just as high as the world, then many of us did not see great marriages. But that don't have to be you. Last point. Y'all with me? So you got to communicate. Communicate. Here's a couple things. I'm running out of time. Y'all got to create what we call grace space. Everyone say grace space. Grace space is the space where you sit down in your marriage, you got to talk about the hard thing. You know what I'm talking about? But you got to allow your spouse to express their feelings authentically without you taking it personal. So you got to use what we call I statements. This, and I remember this happened a few years ago in our marriage. I said, listen, shorty, if, if this going to work, like I'm, I'm going to be authentic in communication, you got to let me say what I say and how I feel without you taking it personal. But you got to use I statements. I'm not saying you, but I feel. I took it this way. I want to, right? You own your feelings and don't project it on your spouse. Because then guess what happens? Defense mode. The last person that needs to defend themselves is the person God called you to serve. My wife shouldn't have to defend herself from me. The only person who needs to defend themselves is a person who's being attacked by an enemy. You are not your spouse's enemy. We have one enemy. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy your marriage. Come on. So use I statements. Create grace space. Don't run away from hard conversations. Listen, you are preparing for the 50-year marriage, not the five-year. All right, last point, last point. One flesh, they fight together. They fight together. Very familiar passage, Ephesians 6, 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you would be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Listen, when you have a fight in your marriage, which if you're not fighting in your marriage, I got a question if you really love each other. There's going to be arguments. It's a part of it, right? But you still come together. But catch this. If you have an argument or fight in your marriage and, and you leave your spouse alone, do you know what they do? It causes them to drop their shield and they get fiery darted from the enemy. Don't leave your wife, listen, fellas, don't leave your wife alone in her thoughts. Listen, don't run, I need to go. If that's the case, don't leave the house. You leave your entire family unguarded and open to the enemy. Say, I need to go to the basement, or let me get five minutes in the room, but don't leave your house. God has called you as the covering of your home. Do you know when you see inner cities and the crime in inner cities, let me just use my own city. 75% of inner city homes, there's no dads. Why? No covering. Your responsibility as the guard, as the high priest, as the king of your home, God will not only grace you to do it, 
He will empower you to do it. But you can't leave, fellas. You got to stay in. Even though it's emotionally heavy, you got to deal with it. You got to fight through it. Why? Because if you're going to stay together, if you're going to walk together, you got to fight together. Why? One puts a thousand to fight. Two puts 10,000. When two or three are gathered in my name, here I am in the midst. You know what? You are a force to be reckoned with when you stay together. So don't run. Don't run. All right? So number one, if you're going to walk together, you got to what? One flesh does what? They what? They love together. If you want to walk together, one flesh what? Forgives together. If you want to walk together, one flesh what? Communicates together. If you want to stay, one flesh what? Fights together. Everybody stand to your feet. Woo! Man. Listen, y'all, our marriages is the last defense for America. Amen. Our marriages is the last defense for Goshen, Indiana, Elkhart, Indiana, Mishawaka, Indiana, South Bend, Indiana, St. Pete, Florida. Listen to me. I'm not sure what you're facing or what you're going through in your marriage, but I am pleading with you. Don't give up. God is not naive to your pain. He just wants to be invited into it. Your covenant marriage was spilled by the blood of Jesus. There's blood, covenant blood on your marriage. That's why you fight for it. That's why you communicate harder. That's why you love harder. That's why you fight harder. That's why you forgive harder. Because God wants to do something through your marriage to change your community. The family unit is built on covenant marriage. That's why God didn't give them kids before he married them. He was saying, there's a picture of my love for you that I'm going to put in a marriage. Are y'all hearing me? So you fight for it. If you're single in this room, prepare now for the type of woman that you want to be and wife you desire to be. If you're single as a male, fight now for the type of man and husband you want to be. If you've been divorced, let God heal you. Let God paint a new picture of what it means to have a marriage that's never been seen before. Or maybe you're widowed here. God hasn't forgotten about you. He loves you. And if you have a desire to remarry, God can give you exactly what you need so you stand in faith for it. Amen? Did you enjoy that? I did. I didn't preach myself. So I'm just going to pray over us as we go. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for Crossroads Church. Right now, I just lift up every marriage to you. The marriage that's struggling. Maybe there are marriages in a valley here. I just pray right now that they look up. Because a valley can't exist without a mountaintop. So I pray that they look up. Holy Spirit, I just pray for a fresh wind and fresh fire in marriages right now in Jesus' name. May men take their rightful place as leaders. 
prayer warriors, providers. May wives take their spaces as respecting their own husbands and loving them. Lord, may Crossroads have marriages that's so inviting and intriguing and provoking that hell will shake in Jesus' name. I thank you that this is a place of wholesome marriages, not perfect ones, but ones that yields to the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.